Good morning. It is great to be sharing with you live this morning. As we're getting used to our new tier system here in Scotland and England girds its loins in a second lockdown, I couldn't help but be so thankful that we live in a time of technology such as this, how I'm speaking to you this morning. Uh, we had a talk a few weeks ago by Andrew McNeil, one of the uh, regional leaders of the vineyard in the UK. Imagine if that had been written as a letter in the manner of this one we're reading from the Bible from Peter. Imagine that letter started with uh, Andrew in Birmingham and made its way by hand through all the vineyards in the north of England to Carlisle, up to Glasgow, um, Edinburgh, it might have made it to us about March next year, and poor Inverness would still be waiting. So yes, when we can't meet in person, I'm glad that we have this digital technology that is really so accessible for everyone. This morning, we are finishing our series of talks from the letter of First Peter. We've had a superb series of talks from some amazing speakers. Jeremy kicked us off with a look at the main themes of the letter, exile, identity and obedience. Jim spoke on the wonderful good news of God's offer of relationship with him. Caitlin talked about how holiness is not a rule book to be obeyed, but the right and loving response to that relationship with a God who loves us. We've looked at how, as a royal priesthood, we have the privilege and the challenge to live holy lives which are compelling to those around us and uncompromisingly point to Jesus, even in difficult circumstances. And in the last two weeks, Jeremy and Jesse have tackled difficult passages, looking at what Jesus did between his death and resurrection and at the end of the world. But even with these difficult themes, I heard a call to live out our identity as people of God by how we act in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. And here I am with the final part of the letter. And here is Hannah to read the passage for us. 1 Peter 5 verses 1 to 14. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfailing crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, 
firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Thank you, Hannah. One of the reasons that Jim gave to the preaching team as to why he had chosen 1 Peter was that it is such a great pastoral letter written to encourage people facing hard times and difficult circumstances. I can't imagine why he thought that might be relevant. At the start of our passage today, Peter pastorally addresses the pastors. He calls them fellow elders. And I don't want to get caught up today on titles. He's addressing anyone who has some sort of leadership role in looking after people, whatever that is called or whatever that looks like. Peter urges his leaders to shepherd the flock in a lovely echo of his own commission from Jesus. In John chapter 21, Jesus has a beautiful and difficult conversation with Peter to reinstate and recommission him after he let Jesus down by denying that he knew him. Jesus asks Peter if he loves him three times and each time Peter answers yes, Jesus asks him to look after his sheep. Here, Peter asks his leaders to do the same and in the same way that Jesus himself, the chief shepherd, would look after the flock. Willingly, not for what you can get out of it, and definitely not to exercise domination and control. Instead, to be living, breathing examples. No pressure then. And I hate to tell you folks, that means you. Yes, you. In the vineyard, we have the saying, everyone gets to play. Or in more formal language, we have a functional membership. If you act like a member of the church, then you are a member of the church. We don't have a formal joining ceremony. And if you are functioning, then you will have part of the flock which is under your care. That might be in your family, or in your micro home group, I would suggest especially in your micro home group. But it might even be outside the church, as everyone, everyone is a part of God's flock and he cares for them. Your housemates, colleagues, neighbours, classmates. Whether you like it or not, if you are a Christian, your lives are scrutinised. As we've heard throughout all this letter, our call to holy lives is a response to a loving God who cares for us and through us cares for those around us. Living, breathing examples 
which point uncompromisingly to Jesus. Young people are to be subject to the elders. It has come as something of a shock to me to be seen as an elder and have their parents say to their children, mind that lady, honey, that ain't no lady. <laughs> or have the Rios kids call me Miss Morag, which is lovely, but does conjure in my mind an elderly grey-haired neighbour. However, by sheer number of years on the planet, I am elder to a lot of you. So be subject to me, which actually doesn't negate the point I've just been making. I think as we can understand from other Bible passages, which talk about people being subject to others, this is about a mutual understanding. The elders are to be living, breathing examples, and the younger, in years or, or maybe in your faith, learn from them, be teachable, and know that those elders are doing their best to love you as Christ would. As Peter goes on to say, all of us are to clothe ourselves in humility towards one another. Apparently, and I got this from one of the commentaries I was reading, the Greek word used for to clothe yourself is quite unusual and refers to putting on either of an apron or protective clothing as you might put on to do a menial or dirty task or for putting on a kind of stole or shawl which denoted some kind of honour. I will leave it to the Greek scholars to debate the accuracy of that but I do think it helps to give us a great picture of what Peter might mean. The apron for the menial task brings to mind the apron that Jesus ties around himself as he takes a bowl of water and washes the disciples' feet. If you know the story, it's another time of significance between Jesus and Peter. And you can read it in John chapter 13, where in verses 13 to 15, we read Jesus' explanation. You call me teacher, and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Which echoes Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 27. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. So we are reminded that in the kingdom of God, the apron of the slave is in fact the garment of honour. Leadership looks like serving. In verse 5 and 6 of the passage, we are introduced to the idea of humility and humbling ourselves before God so that we can receive grace, verse 5, or at the proper time, he may exalt you, verse 6. I first want to say what humility is not. It is not beating ourselves up for our inadequacies. It is not low self-esteem. It is not false modesty. What it looks like is explained in the passage. 
and I'm grateful to Zach Hutchinson for helping me understand this next bit. Zach is a fourth year biblical studies student and has looked at 1 Peter in a lot more depth and in the original Greek. I'm so impressed. Verses 6 and 7 in the ESV translation of the Bible are one sentence. This is not the case in many other translations. They read, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. How you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God is by casting all your anxieties on him. Zach also tells me that the main verb of verse 6 is a permissive passive. I have no idea what that means. I never learned English grammar, never mind Greek. But helpfully, Zach suggests the translation as allow yourselves to be humbled and explains that this means that humbling is a positive action which is centred upon dependence on God. Can I say that again? Humbling which we often associate with being brought low or being knocked off your perch. Humbling is a positive action which is centred upon dependence on God. It is acknowledging we are not God. Not having to carry the weight of the world, as we might say, is a blessed relief. The burdens we put on ourselves are often a lot heavier than any God would have us carry. In Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand is an exercise in trust. However, in the next breath, in the next verses, we are urged not to be passive, but to be sober-minded and watchful. And we are reminded that we have an enemy who will do everything to derail us. Peter uses strong language a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We should take this seriously. But I think once again, Peter's encouragement is to trust. Stand firm. God's got this. He reminds his hearers that they are not alone. Their brothers across the world are suffering in the same way as them. But God can use even this suffering and will bring about things in their lives which could not be achieved any other way. They will be restored, confirmed, strengthened and established. Whilst I do not believe that God wants anyone to suffer or has caused this pandemic, I do believe he can use it for his purposes in us as individuals, in us as the church and in society. I'm always reminded of Joseph, what a life he had, slavery, wrongful accusations, imprisonment, yet eventually he was able to say, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. 
And we are promised in Romans that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Let's look at the things Peter says God will bring about after and through the time of suffering. Restoration, fixing what is broken and supplying what is missing. Confirming, knowing without a shadow of a doubt. Strengthening, this suggests to me a workout which makes your muscles stronger and gives you more endurance. Establishing. This has the feeling of making something solid, which maybe was rather shaky before. I'd take that. After struggles to come through fixed, sure, stronger and solid in my character and in my faith. And wouldn't it be great if we can look back at this time and see that in our church and in our society as well. Times of suffering and global pandemics can give us a perspective that we could not get any other way. We begin to see what is truly important when all else is stripped away. We can see the great truths on which real life is founded. One of these truths is definitely connection with other people, which is the very thing that is so difficult at the moment. Peter rounds off his letter with greetings to and from friends and churches and we're told to greet one another with the kiss of love. And right now, chance would be a fine thing. <laughs> I can tell you this, I am not hugely a tactile person, but when we get through this and human contact is safe and allowed, you are all getting hugs. You have been warned. What can I say to sum up? Leadership looks like serving. Humbling yourself looks like dependence on God. Suffering and struggles in God's hands can be turned into strong progress and positive change. We have once again only dipped into the richness of Peter's wonderful letter. I'd encourage us all maybe to go back over the talks in the series and to read the letter again for ourselves and just marinate in whatever God is highlighting for you. And I'll finish with Peter's final words. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Amen. <laughs>